G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Robert Shaw. Hello and welcome to the Footyology Round 22 preview podcast show. Unbelievable how we are so far into the season already. Uh, my name is Ronnie Luna. That's right, you are not hearing things. Once again, Rowan Namaste Connolly is still away on his much-needed recharging of the batteries holiday, his yoga retreat up in Bali. So um, we still he still needed just one more show just to recharge himself, and he'll be back next week fully charged for the finals. And uh, as always on this show, uh, I am joined by the former Fitzroy coach, the former Adelaide coach, the former Essendon 2000 Premiership assistant coach, and the guy that played 51 games for the Bombers, of course, over eight seasons, Mr. Robert Shaw. How are you? Ronnie, how are you? Listen, um, I've had no feedback about our show. He hasn't got wireless in that cave, has he? Well, it's a cave on the... Or or is the cave opening to the north? It's sort of opening to um, northern Indonesia instead of Australia. He might have to put his hand outside the cave with his phone. Well, it could be like one of those bat caves, you know, where the top yeah. just comes off and he yeah. just sort of just exit with one of his contraptions that, you know, Alfred may have uh, built for him. So there's a lot going on over there with Rocco. But having said that, you mentioned the reception. I did notice him liking the odd tweet here and there. So, mate, I, I hope the people who run that yoga retrievers aren't, aren't aware of that because you might get kicked out because as far as I'm aware, it's a digital detox, zero tolerance digital camp. So let's hope, fingers crossed, that they're not across that, Robert. No. Um... So uh, there we go. But as, as always, as always, we are here thanks to our official podcast partner, Palmabet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. And always remember, of course, to gamble responsibly. Well, of course, there's a lot of news going on. And in the uh, preview show, as is always custom, we're going to get stuck into some of the bigger issues floating around right now. On Footyology, News Feed. All right, Rob. So there's a lot uh, going on, of course. And... uh, your old club is in the news yet again, uh, the Adelaide Crows. Uh, this this story just doesn't seem to end, does it? And uh, it's a very sad situation, isn't it? Well, a particularly very sad situation for the individuals concerned and and, mm. and one by one, even, even as late as today, the Captain Taylor Walker said, I did everything I could. Now, doesn't that say something to the, you know, he is a great mind of mine, Cornsey, but the... Um, the deniers, you know, mm. that are out there, the the five AA apologists, mm. um, doesn't that say something when the captain, who initially said, you know, it was good for me, said, I wish I would have done more. So mm. to me, reading uh, key words, key phrases, we've heard Bryce Gribbs, we've obviously heard Eddie Betts. Um, Josh Jenkins, of course. Josh Jenkins is very much outspoken, very articulate, a very smart person. Um, yeah, so, uh, uh, and a lot went on footy classified because 
Um, there was apologies from the age, courtesy of uh, Caroline Wilson, uh, Sam McClure. Mm. Uh, they all had to, the age had to print. So are these people now uh, proven correct? These allegations are they correct? Because there's still some uh, definite defiance coming out of the Adelaide camp, and yeah, and I feel that people are very accepting of apologies, and uh, sometimes you'd like to see people say, we got that awfully wrong. You know, there's some criticism of Don Pike coming out now. He's in an awkward situation being employed by Sydney Swans and he would have, um, he's uh, one of the prospects for a future coaching, you know, one of the clubs. He will probably be interviewed. Um, What harm does that do him? But it was a very shy and sheepish apology that was um, on the back of all these other statements. So probably we needed Don a little bit earlier than we got mm. him. Uh, I, I, As I the, yeah. If you're a coach, oh, no, I've been a coach, mm. and you sit in these meetings, you're not the actual artic, ar- architect, That's the, but you're part of the match committee that decides to do these things. And I know exactly who would have been in that meeting. Mm. Now, those people that initiated that, Couple of gone. The coach is gone. Burton's gone. Rashudo's still there. Chapman, the uh, president's gone. Um, so Fagan's gone. It's a lot. And Andrew Fagan. Yeah, Fagan's and, uh, gone. And Scott Camparelli yeah. was an assistant who's no longer there as well. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, um, I mean, it's very, very unfortunate. But one of the one of the things that needs to come out, and people need, uh, there has to be an end game, and the end game at the moment is being aimed at the AFL, um, who it appears, and the allegations are, and the discussion is that they haven't done enough. Yeah, so. I mean, it, it's and it sort of it really makes you wonder where the AFLPA were in all this. I, once again, they've been criticised in the past for being a bit of a toothless tiger. I think that that's sort of been proven again um, in this in this instance. You know, I mean, they, these are their constituents that were. You know, that were pretty much their their their, their well being was um, just put in such jeopardy, and the fact that you know, I, I think I heard that they only they called to see where they couldn't make a, a you know a, a, a meeting, arrange a, a meeting because there was never a time available. I just find that a bit weak. Um, and also, Mark Rashida, can you see him possibly? Is his position tenable? Reading everything, it doesn't appear to be, um, but he's certainly defiant. Mm. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. I'm the director of football and yeah. um, you'd probably like to see a little bit of balance. I was going to say humility, but he strongly believes in what he's saying. Mm. Uh, whether he's right, I don't know because we, we are reading the bet stuff, we're reading the Walker stuff. And uh, as director of football, uh, reporting to the board, he would have had a big uh, – a big say, not so much in the camp, but in his report back to the board. Mm. Mark, can you do your report on the camp, please? Mm. Can you yeah. give your impression of the camp, please, to the board? And he was so defensive of what he, he, you know, those those audio, um, that audio of him in early 2018. When you hear it now, it just it almost mm-hmm. begs belief when you when you marry that up to the testament, the testimony oh, no. of Andy Betts yeah. and, and Josh Jenkins doesn't. So. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think we're hearing the last of this, Rob. And you mentioned Don Pike. Personally, I don't see how he could get a job at 
next year at a minimum with all this going on. I personally don't see how that could happen um, with all this stuff coming out again. Um, Very difficult, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They they got him on the bus, didn't they? They got him getting on the bus, which uh, I can tell you from experience um, is real tough. Yeah, I can imagine. Because you can't control the situation. You're you're not in control getting on the bus. At a press conference, you are. So Mm. anyway, so... Well, yeah. we'll move on. It won't end, will it, Ronnie? It no, not end. for a while. Not no. for a while, that's for sure. So, um, and then another bit of news floating around is uh, Dyson Heppel's contractual situation. So, interesting report today that um, the Gold Coast Suns have apparently interested in giving him a four-year deal, two as a player and two as an assistant coach. How do you sort of see that? Well, firstly, I hope the Essendon Football Club um, respect him. Uh, look, I don't know the dialogue and, and uh, on Twitter... People come to me so I'm some sort of, uh, you know, inside information. I've got no idea. I don't talk to people. Um, And that's good because I'm not conflicted in what I say. And um, I'm I'm not an apologist for the decisions Essendon make. Um, So I sort of sit on the fence uh, in the right sort of way, I feel. Um, he deserves, and people are looking at his um, his first half of the year wasn't good. I reckon he's had a damn good career with Essendon Football Club. He's one of the most experienced players. He rode through that storm. Um, he's had a young team at his disposal at times, and he's also had to oversee or be part of um, a number of his friends and very good players walking out of the club and also the retirements of some key players. So he's had everything thrown at him mm. and he's still only a young man. So I defy anyone to uh, be above that. He is a very emotionally committed player person to his club and his players. Um, on the football, his, uh, his kicking went off this year and sometimes that's not a good sign, Ronnie. The mm. first thing that goes is your kicking. But it was mainly about his decision-making. He always seemed to go short instead of long. And when he's gone to the wing, he's put, if his form's improved straight away. Um, to go to the Gold Coast, uh, on the other thing I'd like to say is there's a lot of talk, probably not as much coming from Essendon, but, oh, we need experience. We need to, you know, people even saying Essendon should go and get David Mundy and uh, Josh Kennedy and all that sort of thing. Well, you know, if Hurley retires and they don't offer Heppel a contract, where's the experience? Mm. They need some, you know, he doesn't have to play every game. People are saying, oh, he won't get a game. Well, Luke Hodge didn't get a game for Brisbane every week. He was rotated out. Mm. Um, Joel Selwood doesn't get a game. You know, there's an interchange bench, there's a medical sub, there's a week off. Um, Oh, we need you across halfback this week. We need you on the wing. I think he's critical player going a uh, critical, won't say player because he is at the end of his playing ability. He's a critical person going forward for the Essendon Football Club. And the last thing I will say, and I've said that four times, is um, does he want to coach? If he wants to coach and learn and be part of a club, he's only ever been in Essendon. And as I found out, you learn so much more. I spent what twelve years at Essendon. All of a sudden, to turn up at Fitzroy. And you see another environment, mm. and you learn from that environment. So if he asks me, if if the contract negotiations are wobbly, and he gets the two and two, with a very heavily backed 
coaching, learning uh, component and he wants to coach, he should go. Yeah. Because that's career. If he's decided he wants a career in coaching, he knows Essendon. He's never worked with Stuart Jew or um, he's never worked with Tony Cochran. He's never seen these blokes at the Gold Coast. So to go up there in a different environment would would be an emerging team. Like they're not going to make it next year. So let's just say he plays 12 games, six on the bench, misses a few, um, plays every second week even. Mm on this team that's really going somewhere. I but it'll come down to I'm sorry I've gone a long time, but I've got uh, not not so much a personal like for him, but I've got enormous respect for him as an Essendon person and what he's done for this football club. And um you don't piss on monuments. No, that's a fair call. I will say as um as a, and, and, and with all respect, sorry, mate, he's not yeah. a monument as in Dick Reynolds or John Coleman, but yeah. to me he's a highly respected person and you look after your wrestling people. You always have. Yeah, you should, I agree with you there. But as devil's advocate, I would say offering a one-year deal, I think that's fair enough. I personally don't think two years, I think that would be almost negligent if Essendon offered him a two-year deal the way he's going at the moment. I think offering him a one-year deal, I think two years is beyond the pale, to, in my personal estimations, the way he's going. So if he gets yeah. two plus two... One year start, and and, yeah. and give give really strong, maybe trigger, yeah. triggers throughout yeah. the contract. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I wouldn't give... So if we're only giving him one mm. and he's being off, even if we look after it, say we... Ronnie, yeah. even if yeah. we look after him for one year, it's mm. still a choice between one and four. That's right. He takes the four. Yeah, absolutely. And he's he he takes the four for that. his family, but he might hate coaching. He wanna be he might want to be, Ronnie, one of those blokes that go back to Leon Gather, right? Mm. Balloon out to fifteen stone <laughs> and kick hundred and fifty every year out of the goal, you know? The, absolutely. The ab- the old styles, 19, and apologies to country football, but you folks, you know what I'm talking about. Yes, the big yeah. fella out of the goal square for Leon Gather, <laughs> getting his hundred bucks a game, and and and, and being on the farm. I can't he, picture Heppel blowing out. It's his, no, his, you his, know his what I mean. Though. I know, I know. But just but he's always been a spring bean. Just I was just picturing him being, being massive. That would be a, Mate, a very he's funny. He's heard and Thompson. He's watched Worstfold. He, he's seen Goodwin take over. He's seen Egan. He's seen. Uh, Rutten, uh, yeah, Rutten. Yeah, mate, he's seen it all. He might be sitting there going, "Mate, just give me the year, yeah. and I'll retire, and you'll never ever see me again." Anyway, <laughs> very true, that, very true. Righto. Now you might um, this might not come as a surprise to many of you, but we don't do this show live. This is a pre-recorded show, and as we're recording this show, Patrick Cripps has had his two week suspension upheld. Shory, that is a huge blow for the Blues as they try and cling on to their final spot. It sounded like, um, you know, it sounded like they gave it a really good run for their money, literally for their Mm, money, mm. because they have to put up money for... um, They were out for a long time. The discussion would be along the lines of um, Rioli versus Rao, which I thought it was very similar. Mm. There's two angles to this, and, and, and like TV cameras and freeze frames... They can make a lot of things look what they're not. It looked like he had two arms out going for a chess mark. It looked like he had his eyes on the ball. 
and it looked a little bit careless to me. So I was for a suspension, but dragging one of the weeks back and having it in the middle of the road. I think that was the discussion, but they've been pretty emphatic on this. And I'd like to see a cutaway of the Rioli Rao and this one somehow analysed within an inch of its life to to clear up any, like I'm, I'm not out of the old school, or, you know, like people go straight away into defence on, on the TV. Oh, you know, they try and play the Luke Hodge good bloke, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, oh no, I think you'll get it. No, that, that's bullshit. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he, I agree. He launched at the air. If he was going for the ball 100%, like, there's no doubt in my mind he wasn't going for the man. Mm. But he still has a duty of care and he's been mm. got on a duty of care. But I think there was enough evidence with his eyes and his hands to show that his intent was to try and get the ball. So to me, it was a careless act. Um, requiring a one-match suspension. That's how I saw it. And the other thing is, I think the AFL, they don't, but whether you agree with it or not, they are more, they put a lot of emphasis on the outcome rather than the action. And as we as we know, Archie got knocked out. He's out for this week. Um, and that's what they do. I don't agree with it, but that, that has a bearing on it. it does. No, that's a good point. Think your yeah. mind back. Did Raul get up and play on? He did. Yeah. Ah, well, yeah. that's not. Of course it's not right. Of course, it's not right, but uh, that's that's how it's been. That's how it's been. Um, you know, so here we wow. go. Wow, he yeah. got up and played on, jog on. Um, Rioli, oh, you're attacking the ball. Uh, expected contact in the play. Yeah, wow. Okay. So, yeah. So the tribunal chairman Jeff Gleason said the incident fell into the bumping of an opponent category, and it was not a reasonable way to contest the ball. Not he, he he entered okay. yeah he entered the contest at speed. This is a quote. He entered the contest at speed. Well, and, stop and, there. You're yep. allowed to. Yep. He yeah. uh yep yep and saw a play in his peripheral vision, left his feet and bumped Archie at high speed. Gleason said. So he said it's a bump at high speed. Righto. And and he okay. should have contested the ball differently. Gleason says he could have taken the ball with his arms outstretched, so there was ah, no act right. of bumping at all. So that's what, uh, yeah. So that's what Jeff Gleason. I thought he said. had the old, you know, the old footy card, <laughs> the old EJ Witten chess mark. You know that one? Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> I thought it looked like that, and that's the element of doubt yeah. that uh, crept into my mind because the other version looked more like what Gleason spoke about. Anyway. Yeah. So and and of course uh, the, the implications for Carlton now. Wow, we. I mean, they could very well miss the eight now after being in the after being in the eight for twenty two weeks. I don't know the, the last time that's happened, but that's a very real possibility now. Two well, huge games against Melbourne and Collingwood. We'll we'll obviously uh, preview the Melbourne game later, but that's a big that's a big blow. Yeah, um, well, that's right. We'll have a look at that later, mate. Yeah, so yeah. Um, we've got a few games to talk about after all that news. We do. It's been it's going to be a big show, Rob. Uh, yeah. So let's get stuck into it. The first one is between St Kilda and the Brisbane Lions on Friday night. On Footyology. Previews with Punch. So Friday night, 7.50pm at Marvel Stadium in the Docklands. It's a pretty big game for the Saints. St Kilda versus the Brisbane Lions. And let's have a look at the odds thanks to Palmer And always remember to gamble responsibly. Uh, for this game, the head-to-head odds have Brisbane as the favourite, $1.57, and St Kilda are paying $2.42. The Saints are ninth on the ladder, having lost six of their last nine. They've really lost a lot of 
momentum since that great start to the year they had. Um, and Brisbane are fifth, but they've only they've been pretty stop-start themselves after a pretty promising first half of the year. After eight and one, they've gone six and five since then. So there you go. And the, the Lions have actually won three of their last four against the Saints, including their last meeting at Marvel Stadium back in 2019. Robert, how do you see this game? Yeah, this is going to be interesting. And, and look, I guess Brisbane coming from such a big game, then having to travel, uh, St Kilda do play their best football at Marvel Stadium. They're ninth. They're a couple of points out. And for them, it's must win. But I tell you what, um, we won't make a judgment on the Lions until the finals, till they've until they've got over this, you know, they've gone out in straight sets. So um, buyer beware with the Lions at the moment, but they are looking quite ominous. And and what I'm liking about them, their medium forwards are coming into real form. Like Bailey spent the night in hospital the week ago and then come out and dominated. Charlie Cameron's a constant. And so you look, and of course McCarthy, and, and they're underneath the three big blokes. I think Wilkie and these blokes will do okay on Danaher and Hipwood, McStay, but one of them has been proven that they will get away from you, and last week it was McStay, Ronnie. Yeah, and which is uh, it was a very welcome return to form for him, wasn't it? Because he had been having a bit of a quiet year, and then to kick four goals in a pretty important game, that was, um, that was pretty timely for him. And uh, I guess, you know, the likes of Callum Wilkie and Dougal Howard, they'll have their work cut out for them, but they are two pretty good key defenders, aren't they? They're probably um, pretty underrated, I guess. Um, they're, they're, they're very good the way they go about it. Um, and yeah, how, well, yeah. that's going to be in, yeah, yeah, that's going to be interesting. And if you go up the other end of the ground, Max King's kicked, what, 47 goals? That's not a bad out, output. Mm. You would have hoped he, hope he would have pushed out to close to 60, but he gets a little bit of, uh, if I can say, leniency because uh, uh, Adams won't play because of delayed concussion uh, symptoms, so they'll rest him. And I don't think they like uh, Harris Andrews playing deep. They mm. like him out at centre-half back. So they're going to have to rely on Gardner to go to King. It just might give King a little bit of a window to try and recapture for him because um, he's certainly been badly beaten a couple of times this year. Um, midfield, Neil averages 7.4 clearances, line six. Uh, and what I like, the combination of the... Um, of of the of the fringe element of Brisbane, Reese Matheson and Mitch Robinson don't mm. always get a game. Sometimes on the sub, sometimes on the bench, but I think I think my opinion is if they're going to do well in the finals, they can't be a nice side. They've just got to have a couple of players that oh, I was going to say do silly things, do um, physically erratic things to ruffle the feathers, let's use that way, of the opposition. So I'd like to see them in the side. Um, just gives them an edge, I feel, and that might be the physical edge that's been missing for the last two years. Yeah, and uh, the Saints, I mean, the Saints, you know, I know Geelong ran away with it in the end last week, but they're actually, they, they, I, I reckon they started the game with the uh, the right attitude, but they were just overwhelmed by just a much a far superior team, you know? And uh, uh, so, yeah, the Cats, obviously, the way they're going at the moment, you know, it's no it's no shame losing to them down at Kidney Park. Um, so it's going to be an interesting one. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be a, a cakewalk for the Lions, but it's really important, I guess, for both teams because the Saints, they're playing for their finals life, really. I mean, they're ninth. Um, they have to win this one. And the, the Lions, they're, they're still trying to, Get back into the top four with um, with time running out, I guess. So it's uh, 
it's just a pretty much it comes down to who wants it more. And it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out from that perspective. But uh, I think I'm going to go with the Lions. Um, I think, I'll, yeah, they've been a bit, a little bit flaky in the last two in, uh, games, uh, but I think they should get the job done. How do you sort of see it? How much? What's your margin? Oh, my margin would be, I'd say, about three goals, 16, 17 points. Okay. Right. The last one thing I want to say is there's a big watch on Higgins and Butler, and I'll tell you why. They have an instinct for goals, and they're inconsistent, but they can kick goals. So on the halfback flanks, you've got the exciting left-footers in Coleman and Daniel Rich. So important to sit up. Can they defend these two? And can Higgins and Butler defend them, well, if that makes sense? That makes because perfect if, sense. Because if, if Higgins and Butler are lazy and don't get defensive side of these blokes, I think Coleman and uh, Rich on that ground are going to cut them up. Um, I'm going for uh, the better side, uh, the more informed side, and I think it might push out a little bit. I'm going for Brisbane by 31 points to basically end the Saints' hopes. Yep, and R- Rocco, he's somehow managed to text his tips through to me. I hope the, the coordinators of his um, yoga camp aren't aware of this because it is, as we said, digital detox, zero tolerance. So he's being very naughty if that's the case. But uh, he's got them through, he's smuggled them through to me and he's going for Brisbane by 12 points. Is he hiding his phone under the lettuce leaves? <laughs> you know, the lettuce leaves on the private with, with the, yeah, okay. I think he could be doing that. that Come on. Oh. Get on with it. Get on with it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that past him at all. <laughs> all right. And next up, we're going to have a look at the Western Bulldogs versus GWS on Saturday. And the next match, we're going to have a look at uh, the Western Bulldogs versus GWS. On Saturday at 1.45 p.m. at Marble Stadium. This is also a very big game for the Bulldogs like it is for the Saints. Uh, let's have a look at the odds. Thanks to Palmavet. And always re- remember to gamble responsibly. For this game, the head-to-head odds have the Bulldogs favourite at $1.16 with GWS paying $5.30. Now, the Bulldogs, they're 10th on the ladder having lost their last two games after a couple of pretty impressive wins against St Kilda and Melbourne, while GWS are 16th after snapping their four-game losing streak against Eston last week. The Bulldogs have won their last three meetings since suffering that heavy 2019 elimination final defeat and will be aiming for four consecutive wins against GWS for the very first time, Rob. Yeah, I've got a scenario for you. I want to talk you through GWS's game against Essendon, right? Mm. And then give you a comparison, even though uh, the Western Bulldogs... Uh, what, they're six points out of the eight at the moment. So Perryman went to Merritt and did a great job. So let's put Perryman on McRae. Right, let's tick that one off. <laughs> they played two defensive uh, half forwards on uh, Hind and Redmond. So let's put t- those two defensive forwards on Bailey Dale and Ed Richards. Let's cut them out. When Stringer went forward, Himmelberg put, pitched him up, picked him up. So when Bontempelli goes forward, Himmelberg will pick him up, and I can't remember the fourth one they did. But, the, oh, they played – oh, yeah, this is really important, especially on Marvel, and they played two very smart ball users, classy players on the wings in Kelly and um, – Whitfield. Whitfield. Yeah. So it's very, very similar, 
And just watching the game, do you is it a horses for courses or something worked last week? The players are confident with it. And there's similar scenarios between Essendon and the Western Bulldogs. So one of the things, folks, I reckon you should look at is will the Giants change their game plan that much uh, or will they go with they know that works and once again be very, very physical against the Giants? Now, the problem for the Giants is and is that Toby Green is out for the year. Mm, See you later. He's got a broken thumb, a heavy reliance on um, Jesse Hogan, who was very, very good. So there's another scenario against a back line that can get torched a little bit by the big forwards. But without Green, I think they might be in a bit of trouble, Ronnie. I agree with that because he he really is their, I mean, he's their barometer, isn't he? He's their best player, he's their barometer, he's the, he's the, the captain, you know. Um, but it's a good point you make because I reckon um, the Bulldogs, uh, they're as bad at defending the ground as the Bombers were, as the Bombers are. So I think there are similarities I mean, obviously the dogs are, you know, they're still in finals contention, but there are similarities because Essen just couldn't defend. They still can't defend transition and Bulldogs struggle with that as well. Against Fremantle last week, it was glaring, wasn't it? So, Yeah, no doubt about that. I think, um, uh, yeah, so I'm really interested in that. Or, or, or does Perryman go to the source? Does he go to Liberatore? Um, so that, they're just things that I really like looking at. I think the dogs will get them in the areas of midfield depth. Um, but I want to ask you an opinion, um, not only in the short term, we saw him have 10 disposals and eight very good, not so much contested, but very good, eight very good marks at reading the play. In the short term, where will they use Sam Darcy and what's he going to be in the long term? Ronnie, you reckon? Very good question. I think short term they're going to stick with him down back. I think they're. I think Bevo's quite staunch with having Bruce Norton and Hugo Hagen up forward for the time being. I think that's going to be uh, the case for the rest of this season. But I think um, as his career unfolds, I think he could easily be a ruckman forward, Sam Darcy, the way he's going. Like I think, I think um, he's he's got more than more than capable of of playing that role and. Um, you know that could that could even be as early as next year. Who knows how? You know, heading into next year, Darcy might, might even overtake Bruce. You just never know. So I mean, I think for now they're happy with him defence. But um, yeah, I think that as his career unfolds, that's how it's going to go. Well, I'm disappointed Toby Green's out because this would be the classic Sir Alex Fer- Ferguson squeaky bum time. <laughs> no doubt about that for the dogs. And I think the Giants. I'd like them to see the same thing. I'd like them to really put it on them. I, I think they're a, a more experienced club than, you know, that was our grand final against Essendon. We got up because McVeigh and Solomon and Heard wanted to make a statement to Essendon that they're going okay in the coach's box and you're not. Not a lot came back over the net from Ben Rutten. I'm yeah. telling you, Ronnie, yeah. not a lot came back. There wasn't a great return to serve, I'm telling <laughs> you. So I'm going to go for the Western Bulldogs in a really tight game providing the Giants are physical. And I think the Western Bulldogs will hold on and win by 11 points. I'll say the Bulldogs by 18 points. And Rocco has gone the Bulldogs by 32 points. So that's that game done. The next one we're going to have a look at is Adelaide versus North Melbourne. And the second game on Saturday sees Adelaide take on North Melbourne at Adelaide Oval at 2.10pm Eastern Standard Time. 
And let's have a look at the odds, thanks to Palmerbet. And always remember to gamble responsibly. Uh, for this game, the head-to-head odds have Adelaide warm favourites, a dollar sixteen, with North Melbourne paying five dollars thirty. Adelaide are fifteenth on the ladder, but they're finishing quite strong with a couple of very good wins over Carlton and West Coast. While poor old North, they're still rock bottom with just two wins from twenty games. Uh, the Crows have won their last three encounters by at least forty points. And it's been 13 years since they beat North four times in a row. And I think uh, they're going to achieve that feat this week, Rob. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah there's no doubt about that. Um, look, I'm not sure whether Cam Zerha and Nick Larkey can um, can mirror what uh, Josh Kennedy did to the uh, Adelaide <laughs> back line last week. But I tell you what, they are capable of giving them some trouble. Um, so they're going to have to be a little bit uh, careful Adelaide, there's no doubt about that. The bloke on one leg, or as he said, my body's shot, but you still kicked eight goals. So the Crows are going to have to be a bit careful. We talked about them um, uh, last last week, Ronnie, about, um, you know, what they won last year. Can they get to nine wins? Uh, there's no doubt in my mind they can. Yep. Um, Port have got Essendon. That'll be a hard game for Port to win, then go back to the showdown. So... I, I think they're going to get, come out um, on budget for this year, but they've got to beat North. Mm. Um, the the Laird Davies Uniac contest is going to be the highlight for me. There's not a many highlights, and of course, you and I spoke about um, surely, right? Surely on the Qantas on the Joyce flight, right? <laughs> Joyce is going to put <laughs> Ben Cunnington's bags on the plane. And make sure it goes to Adelaide, not Surface Paradise, right? <laughs> and seat one A as well. <laughs> for goodness sake, what's his first name? The CEO, Joyce? Oh, Alan. 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 Oh, Alan. Yeah, Alan. Yeah, yeah, now listen, yeah. the bloke's had <laughs> testicular cancer. He's making a comeback, and me and Ronnie have got him in the side. Can you just put the effing bags on the right plane <laughs> to Adelaide Airport so we can watch this great champion have a couple of runs uh, during the game. We'll put him on the bench. I want. I know we're being a bit flippant, but we're actually quite serious. I think mm. this would be a wonderful comeback. We've seen Sam Doherty. I think Ben Cunnington can have half a game. What have they got to lose? They're not going to get off the bottom. It's a very emotional time for them. Um and he might help them out a little bit. He can go forward. I just think Laird Keys, um, you know, uh, Brody Smith off half back, Dawson off half back. They're going to have too many guns. And up forward, uh, Walker, Fogarty, uh, Shane McAdam, Errol Himmelberg. They, they, they've got a little bit of class about them. Mm. Whereas uh, where North will rely very heavily on uh, Davies Uniac and Jai Simpkin can get them out. They've got good options up forward, the Crows. They're solid in the ruck. And, you know, it'll be interesting because Hugh Greenwood, where he started at Adelaide, will get an opportunity to take on some of his old mates in them. Not a lot to talk about this game, but uh, we've highlighted Ben Cunnington and, uh, and and the CEO from Qantas. But hang on, we've made a blue. Um <laughs> They're going virgin. <laughs> the AFL oh. don't virgin. So all oh. that build up and all that all that preparation about <laughs> jokes and all that just came crashing down. Um, I'm going for Adelaide Crows um, in a quite an impressive 
41-point win. I think they're going to continue this form and have a good seven-goal win at home. Well, that is that is a nice, healthy margin. I reckon Adelaide by about 29 points. And Rocco's gone Adelaide by 26 points. And I think Rocco's praying that Mr. Joyce gets his bags on the right plane on the way back home from his yoga retreat, Rob. I think that's the plan for him. So uh, the next game that we're going to have a look at is uh, Gold Coast versus Geelong in the Saturday Twilight game. And next on the agenda, it's the Suns and the Cats at Metricon Stadium, Saturday, 4.35 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And let's have a look at the odds. Thanks to Palmerbet. And always remember to gamble responsibly. For this game, the head-to-head odds have Geelong favourite at $1.30, quite warm favourites, while the Gold Coast Suns are paying $3.56. Gold Coast are a limp on the ladder, having now lost you know, five of their last seven games, uh, the, the the, the wind really went out of their sails um, in the second half of the season. But the Cats, conversely, they are in top spot, having won 11 games in a row for the first time since 2011. And we all know what happened that year, Rob. That's a very good omen for the Cats. Uh, the Suns have only beaten Geelong twice in 13 attempts and have lost their last five clashes. How do you see this one shaping up, Rob? Well, I'd hope it'd be a good game. And I think uh, the Gold Coast are going to hold the key to this uh, in a few areas. Let's look at the selection for Geelong uh, firstly. Quite wisely, even though it was against a, a good team in St Kilda, a finals contender, they, they're not dropping their um, the balance of their team or their selection philosophy. Uh, Rowan had to miss with concussion. Blixarves didn't have to miss, but he's had his... I think that's his first break. Uh, Dangerfield... Looked okay to me, but was sore. So I think the word comes out from Chris Scott up in the box, don't worry about it. Get Luke Dalhouse onto the ground. And, of course, Selwood. Now, um, everything being equal, these blokes are available to play. Uh, They've got significant selection issues in a great way. Mm. The likes of Menegola came in, did a good job. Stanley came in. Uh, Zach Tui came back in. Um... Close is going well. Holmes is going real well. Stengel's flying. Um, Stewart's been back a couple of weeks. Um, Isaac Smith bobs up with three goals. You know, it's just unbelievable, isn't it? It is unbelievable. The uh, Atkins is flying in the centre. That's been a great pickup for them. And of course, um, mate, I'm trying and to the get... Guthries. The Guthries. The Guthries. I mean, everyone's flying. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get to Conning in front of Dacos for the Rising Star because uh, I'm out. I'm out of the <laughs> mate. Uh, he's part of the cartel, the fullback cartel, and we don't get a lot. We don't get a vote in the Brown Low, do we? No, right? very uh, few. Our last claim to fame is our life member uh, Brian Lake, who won yeah. the Norm Smith Medal. He's uh, we've elevated him to icon status, and um, uh, we don't get much. So, well, who, yeah, I mean, who, I think Trent, uh, not Trent, Jared Rivers might have been the last key defender to win the Rising Star, I reckon. Yeah. I can't, okay. I can't, yeah, you're right. You don't get much love, you folks. I'm not going to get to Conning in front of Dacos, am I? I don't think so. I don't. Good luck. A, Good it's luck. It's a harder position to play. It is. It, and he's done it very well. And I'll tell you what, he's got to be on his game because I think the combination of Casbolt and Mabiel Chol has been terrific this year, given the fact that Max King went out. What they need, and he's going to be in a little bit of strife too, because uh, Rankin in and out, a burst here, a burst there, shut down by Starsevic, uh, shut down by Kelly at Essendon, 
he's going to run into Buse, he's going to run into Kolodesny, or he's going to run into a real negative tag in O'Connor. He has mm. to stand up. Um, I think they're going to be competitive through the midfield with Anderson and Rao, Swallow, these sort of blokes. Uh, Ainsworth's going to be exciting for them. They've got targets in their forward line, and Wits is a very good ruckman, and I think he'll actually ruck very well against Stanley. He'll be too physical. So will Stanley run him around the ground? I, I, I think it'll be a very competitive performance. I think Geelong's selection is going to be uh, really interesting on Thursday night when uh, league teams come on Channel 7 at... Uh, <laughs> whenever, whenever they used to come on, when we used to wait for it, Ronnie, I used to wait and see if I was in the team or not. That's how long. That's how long the league teams uh, have gone back. Um, I think a steady Geelong performance. I think Geelong are noted when they travel. Uh, they travel well, obviously, because they're very good. It is a game, an awkward game. I'll call it an awkward game for them. They would be delighted to come away with this for. 26-point win, play reasonably well, control the game, and for goodness sake, get on the plane without any injuries. They'd be delighted, and I'm feeling that's the scenario. I think they'll pace themselves well. Uh, Gold Coast will come at them hard physically, and I just think in the end they might be a goal and a half better over the course of the game. So probably 27-point win for me, for the Cats. Yeah, I think Geelong... By 30 points, and Rocco's gone Geelong by 16 points, so he thinks it'll be a bit of a more of a struggle than what we do. But uh, that is fair enough. Now the next match we're going to have a look at one of the games of the round: uh, Melbourne versus Carlton on Saturday night. And now we head to the MCG on Saturday night at 7:25 for a massive clash between Melbourne. And Carlton, uh, let's have a look at the odds. Thanks to Palmerbet, and always remember to gamble responsibly. Uh, for this game, the head-to-head odds have Melbourne favourite at a dollar thirty-two, with Carlton paying three dollars forty-two. And I have a feeling those odds might be drifting a bit more after tonight's news, uh, Robert, with uh, Patrick Cripps. So Melbourne, um, Melbourne, they're third on the ladder, having only won four of their last ten games, while Carlton are clinging to seventh spot, having suffered back-to-back losses yeah. for the first time this season. And the Demons have won their last six games against the Blues in what is their best run of form over Carlton since 1958, Robert. Yeah, let's just go through Carlton and see what's gone wrong. Really Mm. impressive year. They're hanging in. I I like their year. You know why? Because they've had a go and they've been in there all year. And they might be – they might just get run over at the clock tower. So they've had a mighty Melbourne Cup, I feel, (laughs) you know. Yeah. I reckon they've led. They're in the top three or four to the clock tower. I reckon. Oh, I reckon they're just going to come over the top of them. It'll be no fault. I'll tell you what's happened. Uh, Mackay's lost form, mm. relying on Kerno. That wonderful half forward line uh, of Smalls at the start of the year were irresistible, kicking goals, applying pressure. That's gone. That's mm. dissipated totally. Sarah Hewitt, Walsh, Cripps, Kennedy. Half of that's missing, right? And down the other end, Wietering was out for, what, six Mm. to eight weeks. They haven't had Williams. Unfortunately, their team, their structure is falling apart and they run into Melbourne. Like, they're going to have, if they, if Melbourne puts Salem and Brasher on half-backs and and Carlton can't, 
fine. Like Jack Martin went off. They think he's going to play. He hasn't got into form. Uh, Dern was very good early. Hasn't got into form. Where's Owie's gone? Um, Motlop's just a kid. It's hard to expect yeah. him to do it every week. You know, I, they're just been eaten away in the key areas, and and they're playing Melbourne. Mm. They're going to pay the penalty for the Adelaide loss. Like if they limped in, they get Cripps back, they get Kennedy back, um, you know, they get Mackay in form, they decide De Koning or Pitney, you know, they can have a good crack in the first week of the finals and they might pull up an upset and get into the second week. But mm. anyway, um, Kerno and Mackay, that'll be Petty and May. So they've got to find a way to exploit Lever, and I think what they'll do, they'll play Silvani on him mm. and try and drag him away from May and give Mackay the best opportunity to compete one-on-one. Uh, we saw other sides really exposed, like uh, Ash Johnson really exposed uh, Lever. Uh, my check did a good job on May. Can Carlton get him in there enough to expose them? I'm not sure. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a good point. And you look at Melbourne last week. I mean, they did everything right except for the, the scoreboard. Like those stats um, discrepancies were just unbelievable. Like yeah. you know, it was like plus twenty five inside fifties, almost plus a hundred disposals. Killed them in the clearances. It was like it, it was they did everything except for finish off their work. So it's like I'm, the old Melbourne. Yes, the, con- the conversion going inside. They haven't got it right since they lost uh, McDonald. Yeah. It's a, as the the head of the arrow, yes. if you like, with Brown. Brown's been in and out. They can't make up their mind about Wiedemann. Fritsch has been good. And interesting on the footy shows, a lot of selfishness has been exposed. Yes. A lot of highlighting about, you know, when you see players put I hate players that A put two hands out to appeal. Doesn't that drive you? I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 there's a few blokes at Geelong the masters of it, for, you know, deliberate out of the full. Yeah. Uh, I don't like that and I don't like players that do it to their teammates. They've got a little bit of kick it to me, kick it to me syndrome at the moment, Melbourne, mm. where they used to be very, very selfish, uh, selfless. Mm. No Crips, no Hewitt versus Viney, Petrarca um, and Oliver. And Gorn. And Gorn, who was enormous you, last week. <laughs> where do you go with this? Where it's do you very go tough. With this? It's very yeah. tough. It's a very tough ask. Um, I'm yeah. I'm going to say Melbourne. I reckon Melbourne by about twenty eight points. I reckon. I'm concerned. Um, Melbourne need to maximise their inside fifties. Um, Collingwood only won one stat. Tackles inside fifty. Mm. Um, that's amazing. Incredible. So it just shows you how inefficient and indirect and lack of cohesion Melbourne have got. I'm. Well, I'm not worried because I don't care who wins, <laughs> but I'm concerned that um, Melbourne are uh, a Rex Hunt bees diaphragm <laughs> away from flexing their muscles. And, Ronnie, this this is half a chance to get ugly. This is half a chance to get ugly. It could definitely so, get ugly. Yep. So I'm going to go, I know Carlton will be desperate and I don't want to say this, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, Melbourne by 57 points. Ooh, that's yeah. a big one. That's a big margin. Yeah. I, yep. I, well, there's just holes yeah, everywhere, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no, I just, there are. There are and don't holes. forget, they'll they'll put Neil Bullen onto Adam Saad. They'll do a defensive job on him. They'll cut him out. He's had a great year. Mm. But 
clubs are really hammering him now. It's been a, a long year for him. Been very good. Um, Melbourne is very, very strong in the core areas. They're just not kicking the ball correctly inside 50. So if anyway, I'll stick to that. Um, and they showed I against. I want a tight game. I want a great game. I'm not sure I'm going to get it at the MCG. And they showed against Freo only a couple of weeks ago how you know how ruthless they can be. The D. So if they if roll that, that out again. Yeah, um, yeah, that could be very ugly. You're right. Yeah. And Rocco's gone Melbourne by 24 points, which brings us to the Western Derby or the Derby. How do they pronounce it? Anyway, Saturday night. I was there for three one. years, and I can't <laughs> help you. <laughs> That's the yeah. next game. That's the next game. And now we're going to have a look at the Western Derby, as I believe it's uh, pronounced, uh, between Fremantle and West Coast on Saturday night at 7.40 Eastern Standard Time at Optus Stadium. Let's have a look at the odds, thanks to Palmovit, and always remember to gamble responsibly. For this game, the head-to-head odds have Fremantle very warm favourites, $1.14, with West Coast paying $5.80. Fremantle six on the ladder after winning their first game in four weeks last round. It wasn't a a much-needed win for them uh, as they continue to press for a top-four spot. And West Coast, well, like North Melbourne, are wallowing in the bottom two with a pitiful 2-18 win-loss record. The Dockers have won the last two derbies, and the ledger was was very even in 2015. It was 21-20, but the Eagles... Went on that 11 derby derby winning spree and have left Frio a lot of work to do to catch up and even things up again. Uh, but they have won the last two derbies, Robert. I think the emotion of last week's uh, fantastic farewell to Kennedy might chip in here. They've also lost. He hasn't had a great year. It's a very, very interesting trade done with Kelly and what Geelong got out of that mm. and how they used that. And the input of Kelly at the West Coast Eagles, you would have to say, is only just. Yeah. Uh, he was a dominant force at at Geelong. I'm I'm going for a flat performance from the West Coast Eagles, uh, and you balance that up against the focus of Fremantle to get in the top four. Fremantle are two points out of third, and they've got long memories. I can tell you, living there, <laughs> um, it, it they'll be reminded. Anyone involved in Fremantle only has to be reminded about how West Coast made their entry and their sheer existence. Um, (laughs) They did everything to make it really difficult. And to a certain extent, without a a premiership, they have succeeded. Um, So that'll come up again. They'd be delighted to keep them on the bottom of the ladder or push them lower on the bottom of the ladder. Um, Some of the – we talk about – Collingwood's back line. Luke Ryan, Pierce, um, Young, Fox, Clark, yeah. Walker comes off the bench and adds. This is a very good back line. It's a settled back line. And um, while they play a pretty daring and exciting game of football, they're very, very solid at the back. No Kennedy, a big focus on um, on Jack Darling. They'll be able to control him. Ace can tag. I'm not sure who we'll go to now. He might go to the outside onto Gaff and stop the outside ball. No Fife, no worries, Ronnie. No, no. Well, they showed for half a year. They're probably um, better off without him in, in terms of just this year. No, not not not, no, not no. all not all up. Just just this year because they were so used to 
playing with each other. I mean, next year, play him round one, no doubt. Get him in. But um, I think they said... What you got, mate? What was it? It's, a, it's another oh, hammy. Hammy. Get a hammy again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so so we, he's back first week of the finals. He'll be back first week. And when he came back, they, they didn't seem to have that same flow as they did at the start of the year, in the first half of the year. And mate, no, we'll get crucified for saying this, but, mate, you, we're, we're watching a game, <laughs> and if you can tell me, like, he's a superstar. Absolutely. But, but they learned... I think it's a tick, folks. It's not a knock. They yeah. learned to play without him. And when he was there, they went, oh, he's back. I remember the first game he played, right? They put him straight in the centre square. like, And there was a player that had to go out. It wasn't Brayshaw. Someone had to go. Oh, it might have been Sarong or someone that had been there all year. Mm. And you could tell, oh, we're a little bit, what, what, what's the role? A bit kilter, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. having said that, the other time they played him forward, I think at Marvel, he had four touches in the first quarter, then went in the centre bounce and was a huge influence. I think he can have a huge finals influence, but I, I'm I'm thinking it's off the bench, which in the modern game is irrelevant. Mm. He's got a big role to play. I can't see uh, West Coast matching Fremantle. It's desperation stakes. You want to play top four? Um Fremantle, you do a good job here. You you don't aim for percentage, but if it comes your way, I think West Coast Eagles will be flat. Uh, they'll be exhausted after the emotion of last week and uh, they're ready for the taking. I've got Fremantle by 47 points. I've got Fremantle by, I reckon, 57 points. I think it could get really out of hand. They're just far superior. And Rocco's got Freo by 30 Eight points. God, which... he's boringly, cons- boringly <laughs> conservative, isn't he? Oh, isn't and I he? say that to him all the time, and he says, "Yeah, but have a look at the leaderboard of the tip story. You're too, you're too erratic. You're too." Uh, anyway, <laughs> well, that's that's uh, yeah. Unlike um, unlike his political persuasion, he's very conservative when it comes to tipping, um, Rocco. So let's let's go to uh, the next game, which is the first game on Sunday between Richmond and Hawthorne. And the next game on the agenda, the Tigers take on the Hawks Sunday, 1.10pm at the MCG. And let's have a look at the odds. Thanks to Palmerbet, and always remember to gamble responsibly. For this game, their head-to-head odds have Richmond as favourites at $1.35 with Richmond, with Richmond, with Hawthorne paying $3.23. Richmond are eighth on the ladder after scoring two very good wins against Brisbane and Port Adelaide the last two weeks, while Hawthorne they're 13th, but they've won four of their last five. So they're sort of finishing with a nice wet sail, the Hawks, under uh, first co- first year coach Sam Mitchell. However, the Hawks have only won one of their last eight encounters with Richmond, Shorey. I think they're half a chance here. I think um, the Tigers have got to be a bit careful, and I'll try and explain that. Um, the two most de- important defenders in the, the Richmond side, historically, in my opinion, I know Rance was a few years ago, have been Vlostone and Grimes. They're not playing, Mm. right? And they're going to come up against the likes of Gunston. I'm pretty sure Mitch Lewis will be back. So we might get the Mitch Lewis-Gunston partnership. That's good enough to worry any team in the competition. Uh, Grimes is the obvious matchup for Gunston. Um, Miller off the bench is not. Uh, he can be exposed. He's a young, developing player. At the other end of the ground, uh, one of the duels will be Sicily versus Lynch. 
So Richmond have got to decide what to do with Noah Bolter. Does he go to centre-half back and give them solidity? Um, I think he has to. They're not shabby up in the forward line. I also mentioned a bloke called Luke Bruce, who's playing well. Mm. If they bring Liam Shield into Cochin and they find someone, wait for this statement, because no one knows, <laughs> and I'm not actually... I'm not actually being smart. I've got no idea and no does the competition. If they could find someone for Shea Bolton. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You laughed and so you should. Because yeah. I reckon I've got the matchups. Um Hardwick can do a, a good shut shutdown job on the likes of Rioli. Um does he take Bolton when he goes forward? Yes. He's a very good player, Hardwick, much underestimated, and he can do or take Bolton. I'm not sure who's going to take him. Newcomb won't. Um, uh, Mitchell's too slow. Mm. Newcomb's too slow. They've got a real problem with Shea Bolton. I reckon Hawthorne are right in this, but they've got a real problem with Bolton, as does the competition, in that changeover when he goes in the centre square and he goes forward Mm. and vice versa, when he starts forward and then pushes onto the ball. He's the best in the competition at getting lost in translation. Yeah. Or in transmission. Transition. Yeah, transition. Transference. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Other than that, even down to McAvoy from Nankervis, you've got to give, uh, despite the desperation of the Tigers and the capacity, and I'll tell you what, mate, one of the greatest things you can have is – being in control of your own destiny. Mm. It's a beautiful thing. Mm. We'll tell you what we're going to do. We don't rely on you beating them or them having to go there and beat them and look at the, if we win, the rest of you can wait. And that's a great thing about Richmond. They're still a very experienced club, but uh, this is my potential upset for the week. I've, I've gone out with the Hawks before and been burnt badly. I'm going to go to Richmond, but I think they'll uh, I think they'll win by nine points mm-hmm. and having to pull out all stops and maybe a bit of brilliance from Bolton at the end of the day. I don't like Vloston, I don't like Grimes, and I don't like Martin being out. And as I said, if they can control Koch, Cochin's been terrific. He's been and Prestia, yeah, and Prestia, they've both been great. Yeah, yeah. Well, shields to one of them. They've got to contain one of them mm. because they're a bit of a link to Bolton. Um, Graham will do his normal thing. He'll work hard. Uh, yeah, Tigers by a small margin. Yeah, I agree. I think this is this could be a potential banana skin as well because uh, Hawthorne have shown that they can they can mix it with the best when they're really switched on. I mean, they beat Geelong earlier this year. Let's not forget. So they are capable of pulling out one pulling one out from the box. But I do think Richmond will be too good here by about fifteen points. Roko disagrees. Richmond by 40 points. So he thinks it's going to be uh, with a leg in the air. So there you go. Mate, so. that incense smoke is going, <laughs> mate, or whatever it is, that incense out of the candles, it's starting to seep into his nostrils. Uh, this this is, mate, I'll have egg on my face uh, on, on Sunday night probably, but uh, I'm just going on what's missing. Yeah. Hawks capabilities. And they're finishing strong. They're in good form, the Hawks, for yeah, the last a, five. Pick a good side, get the right balance, yep. pick the right tags, and uh, 
Mitchell, it could happen. Yeah, it Mitch could happen. Lewis and Gunston have a good day. Um, my word. Okay. Yeah, it could happen for sure. Now, next on the agenda, it is the match of the round and potentially. Oh, Essendon versus Port Adelaide. Exactly right. We, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we got, there's a game that's slightly uh, more anticipated. Just slightly. Oh. It's between two clubs called Sydney and Collingwood. Oh, and dear, that's up mate. next. <laughs> And now it's time for the match of the round. And this could be the match of the season by the end of by 6 p.m. Sunday. Uh, it is Sydney versus Collingwood at the SCG Sunday, 3.20 p.m. What a game this is going to be. Let's have a look at the odds. Thanks to Palmerbet. And always remember to gamble responsibly. Uh, for this game, their head-to-head odds have Sydney as the favourites at $1.47 with Collingwood $2.70. So there you go. Um, probably a bit of value there, I would have thought, for the Magpies, but uh, we digress. Uh, Sydney, they're in the top four, having won eight of their last ten, including their last five. But, jeez, uh, Collingwood say whatever you can do or we can do better because they're sitting second after winning their last 11 games. The last six, would you believe, have been by seven points or fewer. And two other wins in that streak have been by four points. It's just been one of the more remarkable runs that we've seen. And like Geelong, the last time Collingwood won 11 in a row was back in 2011 when both Geelong and Collingwood met each other in the grand final. Recent history is very even, though. The Swans have won four of the last seven against the Pies. So it's 4-3 in the last seven. And these two clubs tend to always, they usually produce pretty good contests. And this should be no exception this week, Robert. Lucky kick six against uh, the Swans' defence. So seven. He's, seven, he's Rob. A, You've robbed him. What? Seven. Seven. Kick seven, Larky. He's a handy player. He might even be a good player. But yeah. at the moment, he's not a very good player. Um, but he's he's an emerging player. I'm not sure. Um, he got hold of uh, Tommy McCartan. He did. And I'm, I'm not sure that Swans are going to be that com- comfortable with Elliot... Myacek, Johnson and Degoe floating through there. Um, there's an interesting scenario here, and that's the size of the Sydney cricket ground. The Swans have sort of grown out of it. Even going back to Tommy Hafey's day, tough, uh-huh. in tight, early days, Longmore, Kennedy, in close, hard, aggressive. They are starting to play better at MCG-sized ground, Sydney, and obviously Collingwood. So I'm going to very interested what type of game this is. Um, free-flowing, open, attack, um, I'm not sure. And that's mm. why I'm interested. Yeah. Uh, a couple of things are going to happen here. Um, Ryan Clark, who's had a terrific record as a defensive forward, he will go to Dacos. Maynard and Heaney match-up is a ripper. That's worth going to the ground to see. Mm. And, of course, Ken Sydney. well, they've got Lance Franklin, they've got Reed. they've got Heaney, they've got Parker. They've got Hayward. Um, they've got Goulden. Uh, Warner kicks goals. Happily. Collingwood strength, Murphy, Howe, Moore, Quainer, Maynard and Dacos. I reckon Sydney will try and take Dacos out of the equation. Yeah, and that would be a very wise move because we've seen how dangerous he is with that lethal that, that, that lethal foot of his. It's just incredible. One of the, it's already one of the best kicks in the competition, Dacos. It's quite, it's quite amazing. Oh, um, he's thoroughly deserved 
coming second in the <laughs> in the in the Rising Star. Good luck to him. You know, he's pushed to Cunning all the way. Good on him. Well, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah, he'll be he'll make a, a very fine runner-up speech. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure he will. But uh, where, where do you see this going? It's well, it's, yeah. You look at you look at you look at um. You know, Collingwood's defence, they stood up They stood up brilliantly last week. Now, I know Melbourne's delivery wasn't great. I, I understand that they, you know, that they use the wrong options often. But I thought I thought Howe and Moore and Nathan Murphy, he's turning into such a good play. They stood up so well. Maynard, Noble, Quainer. It's a really good back six that they've got. And they showed that they can absorb the biggest hits from the biggest teams. And that was last week. I mean, they, you know, they won the game giving up 25 more inside 50s, which is quite incredible. But then, uh, you know, having said that, as you mentioned, I mean, the Swans, I know they were playing much last week, but, geez, that that, that final margin was very flattering. That, uh, every time they went, went up forwards, you know, more than once every tw- one out of two times they went forward, they were scoring. So, as you mentioned, all those goal kickers that they have, they've got a very – they've got a lot of weapons at their disposal. Uh, there's one thing that Collingwood has, which is – you can't really quantify or put it, get champion data to run their eye over. It's belief. They have this incredible belief in themselves that no matter what, no matter what situation they're in, they are always in the game. And it, they have, I mean, I, I asked this question of Craig McRae after the game on Friday night. I asked him, you know, does this, does this give you almost an advantage on the rest of the competition? Cause you are practicing these situations week in, week out, and you're coming out on top week in, week out, heading into the finals. It has to give them some sort of edge, really. I mean, they're, they're just—it's now muscle memory. It's now muscle memory. These tight games. So, well done, Ronnie. Do you do you get try and get in before Tom Brown, or is it part of the contract that I'm Tom Brown has to ask the first question because we're live on Channel Seven? Well, it was interesting because on uh, just jump in in front of him and give him give him the shits, Ronnie. Because I tell you what, the punters out there would love you for it. Uh, he's a good man, Tommy. He's a good man. Um, I mean, I, I'm leaning towards the Swans. But I mean, I've tipped against Collingwood the last three or four weeks, though. So mm. what do I know? But you know, the, 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 something tells me. And this is no knock on Collingwood. Like they've been tremendous. Something tells me this: their winning streak has to come to an end eventually. Now, the way I see it, they'll probably lose to Sydney and then beat Carlton. That's the way I see it. You know what I mean? Uh, but listen, Collingwood historically have a very good record against the Swans. You know they they, they do not fear travelling up there. They've got a they've got a marvelous record up record up there. Even going back to those the days where um, they played, uh, you know, at ANZ Stadium. I mean, they they, they have no fears. I mean, they have no fears traveling at the best of times. They're a really good, they've got a great reputation as a traveling team on the road. And so I, I just think that I just, yeah, yeah I, I just wonder, I hope they can get the space they need. Ash mm. Johnson on Dane Rampey, very experienced Rampey, knows the angles, know yeah. how to cut off space. Like Murphy Moore, like we know Franklin's not going to play deep. Mm-hmm. Moore will handle Reed. Who, who actually plays on Franklin? Who has the. Capability Murphy, they want deep. They want him to play the um, third man up, Brighton Grammar Premiership player role. From, uh, <laughs> Had to get two, that in. Had to from, get that in. Didn't from you? 2015, <laughs> third man up. Your boy, them, claim it's, claim ta- it. it's, it's taken him eight years to realise that's where he plays. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, sorry, folks. Had to get that in. Um, it's an interesting one. I- I'm with you. I'm leaning to the Swans. Uh, a lot, the mobility keeps jumping out at me. Uh, Warner, Rowbottom, McInerney, Haywood, Gould and Florent. Um, maybe Mills. 
Yeah, it's at Mills. It's a real old Mills versus Pendlebury. That'll be a beauty. It's it's a real old cliche, but um, sometimes it, in the modern game it doesn't stand up. But I think in this one, home ground advantage gets uh, gets the Swans home by. I think they're going to lose one by five points. <laughs> the Pies, there you go. There the you Pies go. They're going to lose by five points. A bit of a bit of a taste of their own medicine. I'll the say- hardest game to analyze this year. Very, very tough. Very tough. Because there's so many intangibles, you know, that Collingwood have. It's just hard to get your finger on how they keep doing it. But I'll say Sydney by six points. And Rocco's gone Sydney by two points. So we all think it's going to be a very tight affair within a goal. So um, I think that's fair enough. If the Pies follow the Essendon 2000, they lose this one. (laughs) Now, Terry Wallace has taken a lot of credit for a coaching (laughs) coup. I've got some news for you, Terry. <laughs> I've got some big news and I don't want to break your heart. Uh, we we lost the second last game and came out and pumped Collingwood the next week and the rest is history. But, Plough, uh, you you keep telling your story. You can... <laughs> no, I am joking. No, we got beaten. We got beaten fair and square. Would it do them any harm? Um, they have to win, what, uh, Another two, that'll be 13, 14, 15. They have to win 16 in a row to win the premiership. <laughs> uh, it's been done. I'm not sure when. Uh, Brisbane did it. They, they, won the Brisbane. Last, they won the last 16 in 2001. The year they beat us, they came good. Yeah. Yeah, from about, yeah. They the, 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 if it bleeds, we can kill it. That was from that moment. That was they the won, game. Yeah. That was the game Because they started. were going average. They were actually, yeah. remember that. Yeah, Carlton smashed them at Optus Oval the week before by about yeah, 13 Yeah, and goals. I remember the game. They, yeah. they were very, very, they won 16 in a row from then. Yeah, or 20 in a row if you go into the next year. So they won, tw- all up it was 20 in a row, and then West Coast beat them at Subiaco in 2002 to end the streak. So, yeah, they went on a nice little run. Is young Ginevan the Jason Akamanis of Brisbane? <laughs> not quite not quite yet, though. Not quite yet, but he just has to get his handstand going all right and he might yeah, get right. there. He might get there. All right. All right. Mate, we're so, both well, we're both on Sydney, are we? We're, and, and Roko. And Roko. He's uh yeah, he managed to smuggle through that tip as well. Uh while the while the yogi was wasn't looking. So that's 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 uh, good on him. Uh the next game is the final game. And what a blockbuster it is, Rob Eston versus Port Adelaide. The last game uh, is Essendon versus Port Adelaide at Marvel Stadium, Sunday, 4.40pm. And unless you're a dyed-in-the-wool Essendon or Power fan, I don't think too many eyeballs will be watching this one with Sydney Collingwood going on at the same time, uh, but I digress. Uh, we'll have a look at the odds, thanks to Palmovit, and always remember to gamble responsibly. For this game, the head-to-head odds have Essendon, the slight favourite, $1.80, Port Adelaide paying $2.00. Essen, they're 14th on the ladder after, and, um, you know, after winning five of seven, they were humbled by GWS last week, bringing uh, all that air out of their sails pretty uh, emphatically. And then Port Adelaide, I mean, they're 12th, they've lost their last four games. So it's been a bit of a, uh, they've sort of, their season's ended with a bit of a whimper, the power. Um, however, they do well and truly have the wood over Essendon, uh, winning their last four meetings. And they're aiming for five wins in a row against Essendon for the first time since 2010, Robert couple of those wins were 54-50-plus, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I found that interesting when I read that. Look, um, I know you had a bit of a giggle about it, but it is a great yard shift and uh, probably deserved quite seriously for two of the year's most disappointing teams. Essendon have gone from seventh and have allowed seven, pl- seven clubs to go past them. So if you want to 
you know, injuries, youth and all that sort of thing, if I said to you at the start of the year, seven clubs, including Carlton, Collingwood, Gold Coast, Hawthorne, Adel- um, who else, St Kilda, will go past Essendon, you would say, no, they won't. Mm. So, so that's a reality. As for Port Adelaide, they were primed to be a preliminary finalist again from their coach. So two, two I, I would say, pretty desperate sides to have a win here. Essendon come back um, from being unable to win in regulation. And what I mean by that is uh, there's a general theme out there, oh, we nearly beat Collingwood. We played really well. Well, I tell you what, Ronnie, you and I would get a kick against Collingwood in front of 80,000 people <laughs> because it's just you just lift to the occasion, don't you? Yeah. What Essendon need is to win in regulation. Go to GWS, unpack the bags, put the boots on, go out and win and get on the plane. Mm. And this is a very similar scenario. They're back in their comfort zone. Peter Wright's in the ga- ground. Uh, they Last week, Port got the match-up with Lynch terribly wrong. They had Jonas, but they played McKenzie on him, and he, and he, really, got a, he really got away from them. So Jonas has got to go to Wright, surely. He's the captain mm. of the side, isn't mm. he? Um, Essendon will play well at Marvel Stadium for the wrong reasons. It suits them. It's under the roof. It's quick. This is criticism from me. That's fine. It is a comfort area. They love playing there. Um, Port have the record and Port have the players. Robbie Gray, um, Sam Powell Pepper has had a terrific year. Um, Boak, Rosie, Butters, they're, they're all very, very talented, but something's gone amiss there this year. I think Lynch will worry them the big bloke up forward. They also get Todd Marshall back and they had the luxury last week of, well, not so much luxury, of dropping Georgiades. I think their forward line. Dixon, uh, you mean? Dixon. Dixon. Lynch. Who did yeah. I say? Lynch, I think. <laughs> got Lynch no, on the I mind. meant yeah. last week Lynch kicked four against them. Yeah, yeah. They got the match-up wrong. Yeah. So Jonas has got to go to right. Have I got that right? Yeah. So yeah. Charlie Dixon mm. and Finlayson are going to rotate through the ruck on Draper. They're pretty smart footballers. He's just got to watch himself. Um, yeah, what do you think? I've spoken a bit too long about this. No, no, you can never speak too long, Rob. And now, look, I mean, you look back the last time they played, it was actually, Essendon were actually quite impressive the last time they played. You know, it was a, yeah. they didn't win, but it was a gutsy effort. You know, it was wet conditions and they were down by about five or six goals, but made a game of it, even in the driving rain. So I thought that was commendable. Um and uh, from memory, there wasn't a goal kick in that final quarter. It was a pretty dour final quarter. That's right. They, oh, they, yeah. they went against the grain, didn't they? They were getting hopelessly outplayed. The rain came yeah. and, and it made them kick the ball long. Yeah. And they became an entirely different side. Yeah. Look, they'll move the ball well. They'll rely on Redmond and Hind. It'll be interesting. I always like watching the team the next week. So we saw what GWS did. Ken Hinkley and his team would have looked at it closely. Whether Port just go out and say, well, we're not going to play the final, let's just concentrate on playing our game, mm. that would make it a very exciting and a very um, mobile, attacking sort of game. This mm. has got the prospects of being um, a witch's hat game, right? Yeah. Um, end to end. Bruce Free. It could be Bruce Free. It, yeah, it could be, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Unless I can Charlie see that. Dixon, a few of these blokes. <laughs> Unless Port, like Port have made promises 
through Chad Corns and Ken Hinckley, there is no way known that a Port Adelaide club team will just play out the year. But they got badly, they got beaten last week. It'd be very interesting to see their mental and physical uh, approach to this game. Both teams more than capable of winning mm. um, and a very difficult game to pick. Um, I think the quality of some of Port Adelaide players and the, the emergence of their exciting young players, the power of Dixon, the class of Gray up forward, Finlayson, I'm edging towards Port Adelaide in some, not an upset, but going against the odds, Port Adelaide by uh, 17 points. I think for all the wrong reasons, like you said, I think Essendon win for the wrong reasons because I think yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. For, they're a mentally they're a soft team mentally at the moment, and uh, I think um, for the wrong reasons they will win and they'll win. Oh, probably by about uh, seventeen points, I reckon. And well, Roko agrees with you. He thinks Port Adelaide by eighteen points. So Do they play better against Collingwood at the MCG. Do you agree with my theory? Well, I think that, I think uh, and then they yeah. do against GWS at. Yeah. Half paced GWS, half injured. Yeah. Um, that's the disappointing thing. Yeah. The consistency. Uh, you know they're going to play well against Collingwood in the big games. Yeah. Um, and you can even argue that yeah. they haven't won enough games in regulation. Just get mm. the job done. You, yeah. you can argue ever since they left the MCG that it's uh, been a been a big problem for them. Have they, getting... gone, have they gone since they left the MCG? Well, they, no, they left the yeah. MCG in 2000. Well, the first year was pretty good. <laughs> The first year was that, very good. Very good, but after that, not much. Not much. Yeah, they, that's, they a, have... that's a story for another day, the yes. effect of uh, Colonial Stadium under the roof on style of game, mm. on style of recruiting. Yes. And the impact of constantly playing in pristine conditions and how that has stood up in week one of the finals. Yep. Because it hasn't. Yep. That's for another day, folks. That's so, good um, topic. Good topic. I'm going with the record of of that. Yeah. yeah <laughs> All exactly. right, Ronnie. Fantastic. Always a pleasure. Yes, we will. We will. Well, always a pleasure chatting footy with you. Uh, this is the last time you'll hear me on this uh, podcast for the year because Rowan will be back. Namaste, Connolly will be back for the uh, round twenty-two review show and from there on he will uh, be nice and recharged and ready for a big final series uh this show as always we're here as always thanks to our official podcast partner palmabet where you get tackle busting benefits all this afl season and always remember of course to gamble responsibly and also a reminder to the people out there if they if you want to support the podcast you can just by you, you can use the supporter page thanks to acast with the link in the show description, or you can become an official Footyology patron by the Patreon links at the Footyology website. Very easy done there, Robert. Do I have any say at all in if he comes back? <laughs> well, you can ask Alan Joyce. Uh, you can get him on maybe on a ban list. And, oh, uh, yeah, he might be on Qantas. He might be on Qantas. So there's your hope. There's your hope, Rob. <laughs> he could end up in Mauritius <laughs> if he's on Qantas. Am I allowed to say that? Oh, I think you already have. You really have oh, said, yeah. so there you go. Well, going on, people with their bad, I'm only reporting what I've <laughs> seen on the news. There is a slight chance that Bali, Denpasar <laughs> to Melbourne By um, could be diverted by a new Mia, or his bags are in new Mia. His, his other bags in Hong Kong, 
I think and that will... Rowan's in Rowan's in Fremantle. I think that could. Test and you're his... back next week, mate. See that you could, later. That could Thanks test your help. His, that could test his newfound patience. Uh, <laughs> all right. Thank you very much, and we will uh, be back with Roco on Sunday night. <laughs>